Requesting connection. Established. Encrypted. We're live. The show you've been asking for. Advice, technology, and community. Linux first, all others second. This is Ask Noah. Live from Multispeed Technologies, the Ask Noah show starts right now. This is the show where we came to do all the things on Linux they said couldn't be done and take your questions on how to do the same. The phone lines are open this hour to be a part of the program. It is a free call, 1-855-450-NOAH. It's 1-855-450-6624 or send an email to live at asknoahshow.com. My name is Noah Chalaya. I am your host. Delighted to be here with you as another episode of the Ask Noah Show kicks off this hour. We're back from self and it was a fantastic weekend. We had an absolute blast. I kind of had a meltdown, uh, if I'm being honest with you, about Friday night. We... We opted to, um, to, to, to go with Zoom for our conferencing software to bring all of the remote participants in. Now, this comes hot on the heels of us testing Matrix and the Jitsi plugin for about a month leading up to it. And um, while the decision was mine to, to, to go that route, when I got to Friday night, I started to realize there was something missing from Southeast Linux Fest. And what was missing was the community aspect, because every year, if you've been to Self and you walk down the hall, you notice that at the apex of the two hallways, there's a booth. It's a large booth, and it's some entity of mine. Back in the Jupiter Broadcasting days, we did Linux Action Show from there. I've done Ask Noah Show every year uh, since then. Now that I'm doing Destination Linux, those guys stop by. But it's always Noah's booth, whatever Noah happens to be involved in. And I wanted, I miss that. I miss that sense of community and that sense of partnership and being able to play with technology. And so I went back to the Matrix instance that we had, and I created a room called Noah's booth. And I just, I, I was very honest on the stream and I said, listen, I'm going to create this thing. It's out here. Maybe it stays up. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe we set matrix up, right? Maybe we didn't, but I just want to play with it. And that has turned into one of the most beautiful community experiences I've had in a long time. And uh, the matrix room actually joins us. Hey, matrix room. Welcome. Hello. How's it going? Hey, pretty good. So they have joined uh-huh. us. At, they have joined us in here and they're able they're able to participate in the show. And so if you'd like to do that, we invite you to uh, visit uh, matrix.linuxdelta.com. If you don't have a, uh, a a client, you can use our web-based client. We're self-hosting Riot. It's available at riot.linuxdelta.com. Now, without further ado, I fell in love with Matrix over the weekend, and we're going to get to that a little bit later. Um, but first up, I reached out to one of the founders of Matrix, Matthew, and asked him to come on the uh, on the program, and he agreed. So without further ado, Matthew, welcome into the Ask Noah Show. Hi, Noah. Thanks very much for having me on. Um, yeah. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, thanks very much for, for taking the time. We really appreciate it. So uh, I guess um, let me start out with this. What was the motivation or the reason behind starting a Matrix? Obviously, there's a number of different communication platforms out there, um, even some open source ones. And But Matrix does it a little bit differently, and in my personal opinion, a little bit better. Tell me that story. Sure. I mean, we began Matrix in 2014, and the idea actually came about probably in 2012 or 13. And before then, the team who created it was working doing um, lots of SIP, um, VoIP infrastructure, and we were using a lot of XMPP um, for doing chat. And we were basically building um, communication systems for mobile cell networks. Um, So it was classic kind of um, communication, letting mobile networks launch competitors to WhatsApp or Hangouts and that sort of thing. And we've been doing that in one way or another for years. And before that, we were doing VoIP. Might have had a 
might have had a uh, a hiccup there. One of the issues that we um, one of the issues that we've dealt with over the past uh, little bit is some of the services that we utilize for um, remote connections and getting some of these guests live on the air has been kind of overtasked with uh, COVID because a lot of radio stations, a lot of places are doing that. And, and so obviously the servers get uh, a, a little bogged down. And it, it's one of the reasons, actually, I've started to look for uh, alternatives um, to these kinds of communications thing. And the thing that appeals to me about Matrix, the thing that appeals about the right client, as you'll see as we continue on here, is the, the ability to self-host this stuff and keep it up even when the rest of the Internet is doing something different. And um, that, and so we wouldn't be dealing with this issue right now. And we've actually we've tested that to a certain extent. Um, just what we found is that it, it 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 we're not quite there. We're not quite able to to make it do all the things that we we need it to do. And so um, I, I guess uh, we'll continue to test that. and We'll continue to try it again. If you'd like to join us though and hang out, we'd love to have you. It's matrix.linuxdelta.com. And if you, the, the nice thing about Matrix is, if you already have an account at matrix.org, you can join that way. Hey Matthew, thanks so much for uh, for 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 uh, for hanging out. I apologize, we lost our connection there for a little bit, but welcome back into the program. That's quite all right, just as long as it wasn't on my site. Nope, nope. So you were saying in 2013 you came up with an idea for a new communications platform. Yes, correct. Before then, we'd been doing lots of um, VoIP and instant messaging solutions, typically for telcos, um, based on top of um, SIP um, for VoIP, using our own VoIP stack, and using XMP for messaging. And we ended up building this proprietary system that was uh, basically a triple stack communication system that was using, as I say, XMPP for chat, SIP for VoIP, and HTTP-based stuff for um, address book lookups and kind of gluing it all together. And it was ugly as hell because you had completely um, no, redundant functionality between these systems and we basically sat back and thought hey what would it be like if we just used http for this why hasn't anybody ever done an http based standard protocol for both the voip bit and the messaging bit and all the other bits and we experimented with it and we kind of evolved our system we got rid of xmpp moved it over to http and it worked pretty well and then we thought hey what if we could build this out as an open platform and an open protocol for the whole internet why doesn't the net have an open system for doing communication like this and um uh, I guess we looked at the economics of it over the years and saw that basically VoIP and instant messaging is hard and that there's a reason why people built Skype and WhatsApp and these systems and didn't open source it and decided to kind of greedily keep it to themselves and sell it out to Facebook for $20 billion or whatever. And we thought that that's kind of a bit of a shame because we've never had an open, free um, Libra platform on the net for real-time comms, which has actually really worked out. SIP and XMPP and IRC, for that matter, have some fairly fundamental um, limitations. And so we wanted to build something that, could be used to build things like Slack or Discord or WhatsApp or any of the modern um, communication tools and have that as a completely open ecosystem for the whole web for people to build on. Basically, the missing communication there for the web itself. So crazy moonshot idea. Uh, we went um, to our bosses and said, hey, uh, rather than building these commercial proprietary um, communication apps, we want to go open source, non-profit, build a new open platform and a new open protocol and see if we can basically replace email, replace 
the phone network, possibly, you know, replace all the messaging systems out there with a new universal way to communicate. Completely so, crazy idea. And they said yes. <laughs> and it's worked out. I mean, it, it, it's really taken on some legs. What are the end goals of Matrix, Matthew? Where do you see yourself in five years or where do you see the project in, in five years? Where do you see yourself skating to? Oh, five years from now, getting tricky. So I guess we're five years in at this point, and I guess our main goals in that time frame were to get it out of beta, get it to production, um, have a non-profit foundation to look after the protocol and the core ecosystem, to have a plethora of different servers and clients building on top of it, and actually have some real-world um, deployments rather than it just being us as a whole bunch of geeks and techies and Linux um, fans using it to try to get real people um, in off the street using it as well. So that was the goal five years ago, and here we are. And I'm happy to say that we've basically done all of that now. Um, the, for instance, we've had a lot of traction with governments because it turns out that governments really like being able to run their own communication infrastructure. Uh, we have really good end-to-end encryption in Matrix, and so <laughs> they tend to like that as well. And they also like interoperability so that you can run your own stuff whilst participating in a global network and talk to other countries and other bits of your own country and you know, citizens and other people that you might find in the country. So we've basically got a lot of traction from people using it in that sort of context, as well as open source communities and activists and healthcare and other places where people like to not be using Slack or WhatsApp. So five years from now, where could we be? Good question. I mean, one of the big projects we've kicked off in the last six months has been peer-to-peer matrix, where we just take rid of, get rid of the servers entirely. So you basically move the server onto your device. So you run it in a service worker in a browser, or you run it um, inside your app on Android or iOS, and you therefore have complete control over all of your actual personal conversations on that device. Now, if you also want to pin them on a server, you can, but you don't have to. So you might be familiar with, I know, other peer-to-peer communication things like Skype originally Mm -hmm. was peer-to-peer, and Tox is a more recent attempt at doing something similar. But um, the fun thing on Matrix is that we can reuse all of the existing clients. And in fact, we can also reuse the service effectively just by moving the server onto the client. And it's working pretty well. So five years from now, I wouldn't be surprised if by default, when you install a Matrix client, it has its own server in it and you have complete self-sovereignty and control autonomy over your comms. And then if you do want to put down roots, as it were, and find a home somewhere on the net... Um, to use as your home server you can but it's not compulsory also um it would be nice to sorry it would be nice to get um, uh, it into operating systems as a daemon a bit like every linux runs an mta somewhere in it you've got some mail or xm or postfix or whatever it is so that your os is able to send and receive email we I would love to have the same thing for Matrix, that if you want to do push notifications, if you want to do encrypted messaging or VoIP, you'll just have that there as a daemon, as a system service, and it offloads all the hard stuff like the end-to-end encryption and the low bandwidth push support, and you would use that as a kind of Libra open push alternative and instant messaging infrastructure. Talk about the encryption a little bit, because there's a lot of communication platforms out there that say we're encrypted, and you have specified end-to-end encryption, and there is a difference, and it's an important difference. Talk about what the difference is and, and why that matters to people who value privacy. 
Yeah, no, it's a massively good point. So it's obviously encryption comes in different flavors. And the typical thing you find is like transport layer encryption, TLS, HTTPS. And all that does is to encrypt the traffic between your client and the server. So the server can see everything. All you're protecting yourself from is somebody eavesdropping on the network. However, on end-to-end encryption, you're encrypting it literally from one end of the conversation all the way through to the other end of the conversation on someone else's device. So the server itself cannot decrypt the messages. The server does not have any decryption keys at all. And so whoever the admin is, um, whether they're benevolent or malicious, um, would be physically unable to ever see the conversations that you're having. And this is particularly important for Matrix because we replicate your conversations over the servers which um, the users are on who are participating in that conversation. So you're obviously on, uh, was it linuxdelta.com? I'm on matrix.org. There might be somebody else in the conversation from a different server like mozilla.org, for instance. And therefore, if we're in the same room, that room is replicated a bit like a Git repository over the three different servers. So you've increased your attack envelope by a factor of three over a centralized service. And therefore, it's super important if you want to have any level of privacy to have encrypted that so none of the servers can see the conversation. And the way we did that was to look at how Signal did it. And um, they use an algorithm called the double ratchet. And we implemented it as an Apache licensed implementation. Their one is GPL and Matrix happens to be Apache licensed and extended it so it'd work in a decentralized environment like Matrix. Also extended it to handle larger rooms so we can go up to thousands and tens of thousands of users if we want, whereas um, Signal, I think, is limited to 250. You talk a little bit about... um... The, the federation and this is one of the things that i think is so powerful about matrix the fact that if you exist on on one instance and i exist on another we can still have a conversation in fact it's how you and i connected um i i, I have to ask if 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 i have a conversation that's being hosted on my server and you join that room and my server goes away do you then have a copy of that conversation because you participated in it and, and you have the decryption keys to read that on your server Precisely. Yep. So I'll have the keys to decrypt the messages that I had visibility on in that room, and I keep a copy of that on the server. So the keys, however, sit on my client. So I can only decrypt it on in my browser or on my phone or wherever the client is. So the server can't do it, but the raw data sits on the server. And this is the fundamental difference with XMPP or ILC. The people tend to get tripped up on at first that um, ILC and XMPP are just message passing. You're just going and sending a message like an email from A to B. Whereas Matrix, you're synchronizing conversation history. It's like a news group. It's you know, heavily modeled, in fact, after NNTB, the protocol that Usenet used to use, where you are literally going and synchronizing all these messages between the different servers so that everybody has a consistent view of what happened in the room. So it's all about the rooms rather than the messages. There are two ways to run Synapse, the Matrix server right now. One is to, to compile it from source. The other is to run the Docker container. Uh, Michael, is there a preferred way to, or Matthew, excuse me, is there a preferred way to run a Synapse or is, our, is one just as good as the other? Honestly, these days, they're as good as each other. Um, when we do it in production, we have a mix. Sometimes we use Docker, sometimes we run from source on Git, sometimes we use the Debian packages. Uh, we happen to be a Debian shop, and so maintain our own Debian packages, but also the Debian team do their own distribution as well. Um, in the end, uh, nowadays, they're all equally mature. I personally use the one from Git, just so I can make it quick. Uh, I can quickly change between branches and experiment if needed. 
as soon as I started playing with this, I immediately began to realize the incredible power that was here. And I also started to see the advantages, the clear-cut advantages over the matrix infrastructure as opposed to the Slack and Teams and all of the other ones of the world. Um, if you sit down and say to yourself, hey, this is really great. I like this, but I'm not a server admin. I don't really know much about this, and I want to have um, – some sort of support infrastructure around me so that I can run my business on this. This is something that you guys have addressed right up front and you offer this as a service. Talk about Vector. Yeah, for sure. So um, we created a company called New Vector to go and basically keep the lights on to fund the core Matrix team to keep working on Matrix. And we started it about three years ago. And we, at the same time, we set up Matrix as a separate nonprofit foundation, as I mentioned earlier. Um, but as I said, to keep the lights on, we go and sell hosting. And the brand we use for selling that Matrix hosting is modular.im. So if um, you do want to get yourself a matrix server and point your own DNS at us, um, then you can do so. And it costs, I think, $1.50 per user per month. Um, so five times cheaper than Slack, just saying, um, which um, uh, directly goes to then funding development on Matrix um, itself. And we'll give you access to the database and give you snapshots and allow you to migrate off if you want. So it's the polar opposite of your typical centralized system where you're completely locked in. Instead, you're basically outsourcing admin of your synapse to us. And it's not just the administration of the server. You also, I understand there is a way to migrate your account from one server to the other. So if you if you set up shop at one place and decide that home is no longer for you, it is possible to go somewhere else. Yep, yeah, absolutely. I mean, account migration is a bit blunt in Matrix today. It's a bit like um, moving email server. And the way that migration tool works is to basically invite the new user into all of your conversations and then part the old user. So it gets the job done, but it's not exactly elegant um, that you see all of your sort of direct messages suddenly have three users and then one of them disappears again. But people do use it, and it's um, a good way to move on or off modular. In future, though, we're working on property centralized account portability, a bit like you get on the phone network where you can migrate seamlessly between servers. And in fact, you have to have that for peer-to-peer because... Because if you have, say, a phone, a laptop, and a browser, and you want to be logged in as the same user on all three devices, you therefore have to have um, account portability and a multi-homed account between the three devices. And we, we're making good progress on that as part of peer-to-peer right now. One of the frustrations I've shared in other messaging platforms is oftentimes, uh, I'll, I'll pick on Telegram for a second, I get invited to 19 different groups from one organization, then I get invited to seven different groups from another organization. Pretty soon, before I know it, I have like 70-some chats going, and they're from a a myriad of different organizations, and I have no way to group them. Uh, Matrix is addressing this with communities. Talk about what communities are and how they're intended to be used. Sure. I mean, it's an even bigger problem on Matrix because we have bridges through to all of these other networks. Um, So I I no longer use any IRC clients. I don't use Slack. I don't use Telegram. I just access it all through my Matrix client where we have these really, really good bridges that allow you to transparently use the remote networks through your Matrix account. So the people on the remote networks don't even realize that you're connecting via Matrix. But as a result, I'm in, let me count right now, 3,432 different rooms, which is a little bit more than you're going to find on a typical Slack. Slack or Telegram or whatever. Now, we added communities a few years ago as an experiment to try to group these together and allow you to filter them into um, batches, which you could define or other people could define. 
the idea is good. The implementation, frankly, sucks. And we're in the process of fixing that. Well, we're not in the process. We're about to start the process of fixing that in the coming months um, by basically re-implementing how they uh, implement it behind the scenes. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily recommend relying on them that much right now. They just about work, but they're pretty clunky. You have to be quite forgiving of some of the UX around them, particularly in Riot. But you're right, that's the idea. Um, some of the UX we have for the rework, though, is really, really nice in terms of letting you have hierarchies of communities and basically group your room list in the left-hand side of Riot, in, and Riot being the flagship client, I guess, for Matrix, which we make as new vector, um, allows you to build it into a tree view, into a hierarchy, so to really slice and dice the rooms, uh, which I think will make a huge difference to the manageability. The integration and bridging is what draws a lot of people into Matrix. I think it's it's the like you say it's the one stop shop, and that's appealing. Um, there's clearly been a lot of work and a lot of effort done in that. Talk about some of the integrations, and uh, obviously you talked about bridging to other services, but there's other things you can do, like for example, embedding a Jitsi wizard so that you can do a full on audio video conference right inside of your Matrix browser or client. Um, sure. So we've done a lot of work on this um, in terms of uh, providing the sort of best, most important bridges. We provided IRC, we provided XMPP, um, we did Slack, Gitter, and I always forget the last one, but those are the most important ones. In terms of other integrations to things like um, Jitsi, we have this concept of widgets uh, which go and allow you to embed arbitrary iframes of HTML content into your chat room. So you can basically build up a dashboard of information um, which um, uh, everybody in that room sees. And so one of the examples of that could be a video conferencing widget like Jitsi, or it could be an Etherpad, it could be Google Docs, it could be... Um, a Grafana dashboard or something like that. So um, uh, I think we provide about 20 or 30 of those at the moment. It's relatively basic in that you can't change the layout at the moment of how that dashboard is built up, particularly relative to something like Grafana, where you obviously have massive control over how your dashboard physically looks. But we're hoping to improve that in future. Uh, you can definitely see a five years from now future where a lot of the most interesting bits of Matrix isn't the boring old chat room or the VoIP calls or even the video conferencing, but the things which people have built on top of it, the I know the VR world, which somebody has embedded into the chat room or the payment system or the uh, collaborative text editor or the collaborative music jamming thing, whatever it might be. We should be having this conversation with an embedded radio show embedded into a matrix room, for instance. Well, you know what? If you're willing to come back on the show, maybe the next time we will do something just like that, because I have no doubt that Matrix is capable of it. Um, Kabavik in the chat room asks question for uh, a question for Matthew. When do they intend to add integrated GIF searching and posting in the Riot client? Very, very good question. I felt a bug myself for right about four years ago saying we need a GIF keyboard and I think there are about f six exclamation marks and ones afterwards because it was such an obvious fun thing to do. And there are a couple of really nice obvious fun things like and GIF keyboards, like custom emoji, um, uh, spoiler text, um, just some things which would improve quality of life massively that irritatingly, for whatever reason, we just haven't been able to prioritize, typically because we have our hair on fire making encryption work or making decentralization work or fixing some big scalability issue on Synapse, the reference server, or, I don't know, making the composer work reliably or improving accessibility. These really boring things rather than the fun stuff. 
We will definitely get to the fun stuff. Um, GIF keyboard is particularly hard because it needs to be privacy preserving. And it's surprisingly hard. And you might have seen, I think Moxie wrote something on Signal about how they've done their GIF keyboard in a privacy preserving way that you really have to make sure that you don't accidentally send every random thing you type in the composer off to Giphy, which is now owned by Facebook, and you're suddenly back at square one in terms of sending all of your data through to Facebook. You're- so we'd love to do it. Your dedication to privacy is that's that's absolutely fantastic. Um, can you talk to me about notifications? Because I have to tell you, I there's a lot of things that that stood out to me from Matrix as being superior to many other messaging clients, but nothing even comes close to how impressed I was with the granularity of notifications. I mean, anything that you can imagine to do, if I want to receive a notification from one chat and not receive a notification from another chat, even in very specific circumstances, I can do that in in Riot. Talk to me about how much thought went into that. So I guess this is a classic instance of Matrix where we've had to build something that can support any client's requirements. So it's not just for Riot, it's for any kind of use case you might be building on top of Matrix. You need to have a generic system to allow you to define your um, notification rules. And it's kind of similar to Civ in email, where you need a generic language to define how you want your email filters to work. And everybody has got completely different requirements in terms of how you match and what headers you look at and what notifications you use and what mail folder your email ends up in. So we didn't quite go as far as write a Civ-style language. Instead, we created the concept of push rules, where, which is a basic programming language where I think you have five different classes of rules. Um, you start off with what's called overrides that allow you to define the sort of highest priority rules. Then you do per room, per content, per message. And then you have underrides, which is basically the full through behavior if none of the other rules matched. And the rules can be defined to match on whatever combination of conditions and then do whatever set of actions. So it's like just a big gold switch statement with some predefined bits. And at first in Riot, we expose that pretty much directly in the UI, which is great if you're techie and you want that level of control and you're not freaked out by this massive matrix of, so to speak, of radio buttons, which allow you to define the behavior. But in practice, it's um, a little bit scary for normal users. And it's ironic that you ask because this week particularly, um, a large chunk of the Riot team and the back-end team who do Synapse have been working away on trying to figure out how we can keep that flexibility but present the UI in a manner that makes sense to normal human beings. So it's really hard because a lot of people have configured really complicated rules, which we now cannot express in any manner other than this really complicated UI. So what we're doing is having a hybrid thing where you have some fairly simple controls, like, you know, do I want to get push notifications when I mentioned or not? Do I want to get push notifications when people join rooms or not? And all that sort of thing. Um, and then at the end, there's an advanced tab, which you can click on, and then it shows you the actual kind of serialized gory details if you've customized it further. So uh, I, I'm not sure where we'd say we're proud of it. It works. It's definitely sophisticated. Um, but it does cause a lot of headaches due to the complexity. And it gets even worse with end-to-end -end encryption because the server can no longer see your messages. Therefore, the server can't do the notification decisions for you. Sure. And so you have enter this horrible world where you have to wake up the client every time you get any message in any encrypted room anywhere so the client can execute the rules and figure it out. And that then uses battery, it uses bandwidth, and then Apple had just banned you from doing that in iOS 13, so you need to do something else, and it becomes a really, really nasty problem to solve. 
JJ four eight eight four in the chat room asks if there's a way to if there's a way to reclaim a username that was forgotten if somebody has their if somebody found their credentials. Well, if you got your credentials, then you should just be able to log back in as that user. Um, if you deactivated it, then there isn't a way to reactivate that name because of the joy of GDPR means that we have to delete everything we ever knew about that user, including the original credentials. So we can't prove that the credentials that you have now are actually the ones that you had in the past. And I'm afraid that you haven't got any choice than to start over. Uh, it's a good opportunity to run your own server at that point, and then you're, uh, you, uh, hopefully you'll have more control to avoid a disaster like that in future. But I'm sorry. We should probably have addressed this right up front, but I guess I'll ask now. The So Matrix is the protocol. Riot is one of the front-end clients, the one that is kind of, so, uh, quote-unquote, the official... Uh, front-end client for the Matrix protocol, and Synapse is the back-end server. Do I understand that? Um, I wouldn't say that Riot's the official client. It's just um, a flagship client that we did by uh, as the team who created Matrix. And one of the things we saw went wrong with SIP and XMPP and even IRC is that there was never really a flagship client. There wasn't... Um, a Outlook style or a Thunderbird style client that everybody just goes to when they want a good email client. Instead, it's very fragmented and often the usability wasn't as high as the proprietary alternatives. So we set out to fill that gap with Riot. On the server side, Synapse was the first client, uh, first server that got written and it was the original one. Nowadays, it's one of several. Um, we have another one called Dendrite, which is written in Go. Synapse is written in Python, um, which is looking very promising. We're using it for all of the peer-to-peer work. It's not quite complete, but uh, I've been running one for a month or so, and it's working pretty well. And then, really interestingly, in the last um, couple of months, um, or possibly even weeks, there's been a Rust implementation called Conduit that's been done entirely by the community and has a great community and a lot of velocity and they're making great progress in a super, super fast server. It doesn't federate yet, but it works usably today um, for unfederated rooms. And there are other ones too. There's a C++ one called Construct, which is done as a fork of the Charybdis IRC um, daemon. And a couple of other ones um, out there in probably lesser stages of development. So uh, I think in terms of clients, there are about 150, last time I checked, wow. that are on our radar. And obviously, a lot of those are random, quick weekend projects where somebody said, hey, can I write a <laughs> matrix flank in, in Tickle Tick or whatever their favorite <laughs> language is? And... Um, uh, often they can, and it works, and it hangs around for the next five years. Um, other times, it's really sophisticated ones. They're a really nice React Native ones, Flutter ones. The Riot itself is written natively in um, Swift and Objective-C on iOS, and Kotlin uh, now with X on Android, and JavaScript and TypeScript on the web. But other people have done these Flutter, React Native, um, Qt, GTK, some in Rust, some in C++. You know, basically, almost every language is represented. There's Perl 6, sorry, Raku 1s, there are Perl 5 1s, uh, Ruby 1s, um, Elixir, <laughs> Erlang. I basically, uh, I, I can't think of a language that isn't represented yet. Other than COBOL. I haven't seen a COBOL one. <laughs> I'm sure somebody will get to that after this episode. Hey, <laughs> his name is Matthew. He is one of the co-founders of Matrix. You can learn more at matrix.org. Matthew, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and, and give us a look. I can't tell you how how pleased I am and how excited I am at, at this project. I am, I am slowly just jumping ship on every communication platform I have to dive all into Matrix. I am that impressed with it. It is that
that good. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the program. We'll get you back real soon. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Cheers, now. Yeah, appreciate it. Open phones this hour, 855-450-NOAA. That's 1-855-450-6624. The email, live at asknoahshow.com. I love the fact that in the open source community, I can just reach out to somebody and they they will say, yeah, sure, we will come on and tell you exactly how we did that thing. There, So I want to dig into this granularity of, of notifications contr- control because it it is it is the thing that made me decide Matrix does it better. So the problem is I like talking tech with people in my free time. Uh, I get done doing work. My day job is an IT administrator, and I want to go home and talk about tech or play with stuff or look at projects or whatever. And at Southeast Linux Fest, we had Jitsi up and running the whole time. And that Matrix instance and that Ride instance ran the entire time, the entire conference, and we didn't even really know what we were doing. We just kind of stood a thing up, and it worked. And I had it in the studio, and we were talking just casually after we got done with the conference until like 3, 4 in the morning with a bunch of folks just about everything from what's going on in our country right now to building servers. And I value that. I like that. I like building community. The problem is I get up Monday morning to go to work because I want to be on a communications platform as much as possible. And of course, whatever it is, uh, I, I have it on my phone and on my laptop and so on and so forth. Then I'm in the middle of troubleshooting a server and it's a problem that's costing a client tens of thousands of dollars every hour that their server's offline and my phone goes off. And I have a temptation to ignore it because I'm in the middle of something. But what if it's my wife? Did my kid get into a car, an accident? Are they in the hospital? Is it the school? Nope. It's somebody in a in a, making a, a stool joke in one of the 17 telegram groups that I'm in, right? And so my problem is I want to be able to interact with people from the community, but and I want to be able to interact with people from work, and I want to be able to interact with people in family. I don't want to have separate communication platforms from everything, but I need to be able to separate the emergencies from casual mentions. And I don't, I don't want to be that guy that says, well, just don't mention me or don't, don't, don't ever message me directly. That's, that seems kind of rude with, with matrix. Every session, uh, is, is, is its own session. It's its own registered session. And then the riot client itself, you get some basic global options. And if riot did nothing else, the granular control of those options in the general screen are enough to make it a better platform than just about anything else out there. And your options are to Enable notifications. Do you even want notifications for this account at all? Well, that's a good thing to have. And obviously that exists in most clients. Enable desktop notifications. Now, if you do this, you're going to get, if you disable desktop notifications, you're going to get a little number in little brackets with missed messages, just like you would get if you were on Facebook, Messenger, Twitter, whatever. But it won't send a desktop notification. There's show message in desktop notifications. Do you want to be alerted that there's a new message? Do you want to ignore it if you're busy? Read it if you have time. Or do you need to be able to see a preview of that message in order to make a decision? Here's where Riot starts to get clever. Enable audio notifications for this session. Now, mind you, all of these are just simple radio, just simple switches. You just open the configuration and click the switch on or off. So it's not like there's a huge penalty for going back and forth. And this is one of the most sing- single most useful things I found to begin with because multiple times I don't mind if something pops up on the screen. That's perfectly fine. I can just ignore that. In fact, sometimes it's kind of nice to see who it is that's popping up. But when there's a ding or when there's some sort of alert that goes off, first of all, it interrupts the music that I'm using to drown out everything. Second of all, it just totally shatters my concentration. And then the last option you have is email notifications. 
And my gosh, if that isn't amazing, I'm out of town or I know I'm going to be off the platform for a little bit. I know I'm not going to have my phone or my, my device with me. Now I have the opportunity to be alerted at a totally different way that, hey, if something, if something blows up, something really needs my attention, start, start firing me emails. And that's just the general settings. We haven't even gotten into uh, the, 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 the granular ones bef- below that. Below that, you have the option to, to choose if you want to be alerted to specific types of messages. So, for example, messages that contain your username, that contain the, the, the phrase at room, that contain certain keywords, one-on-one chats, encrypted messages from one-on-one people, message and chat groups, encrypted message and chat groups, when your friend is invited to a new room, call invitations, message sent by bots, when rooms are upgraded. How many times have you gotten an alert? in Telegram or Signal or anywhere else, and you've looked at that and said, I didn't want to hear about that right now, but you had no way to distinguish that particular alert from the ones that you do want to hear. And I have, in four days, and I have a lot of people messaging me, I have yet to find a a type of message, a class of message that I can't say, okay, I want that one on or that one off in Matrix. And again, we haven't even dug into the chat notifications. That's just the general settings. Then you get into the way that, that, that the Riot client is actually set up. Every communication in Matrix or, or the Riot client is essentially a chat. And so chats with just one person are considered direct messages. Every chat has its own notification settings. So your notification settings start with all messages, and there's all messages and there's all messages noisy. Now, noisy is a special category. I'll get to that in a second. All messages is what you would expect. You get a push notification when a message comes up in a chat. It puts a little badge icon over the chat with the unread messages. It fires a push alert or pops up on your screen with a preview of the message, your standard go-to run-of-the-mill notification system. Mentions only. Most people are familiar with this. If somebody has to choose to send you an alert by tagging your name and pressing tab, which is awesome, by the way, because some communication platform, anything that has the letters in there, it will automatically tag you. In Matrix, you have to. there's a difference between writing the person's name out and actually tagging them in there. So it's a conscious decision to tag that person. Now, if you tag the person, doesn't necessarily place a badge icon. It just changes the font from a muted white to a bright white with the text name of the chat. And so you know that something has occurred in that chat and that it, and it wants your attention. You are going to get a push notification with the preview of that message that you were tagged in, but it's, there's, it's, not, um, it's not obnoxious. And then there is mute, and this entirely mutes the chat, including mentions, which is something I can't do in, of, in, in a bunch of other competitors to Matrix. Uh, for groups, you can still see which groups have had activity or, 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 um, or rooms. You can still see which rooms have had activity because the font color is still going to change, but it doesn't give you any indication as to what that activity is. You have to go in there. Then you get to where... The, the, the twisties, and I'm not sure what the technical name is, I should have asked them, but there are categories that, that collect uh, either direct messages or rooms. And so what, the first one, that the first collection, the first twisty collection is, is titled Low Priority. And this is, again, where the ingenious minds of the engineers really show. Because how many times do you want to exist in a chat that in case somebody mentions you or somebody says, hey, did you see that the, the, the drama unfolding in XYZ or so-and-so asked you a question in, in ABC, you got to go check that out. It's not something you want to keep up with the day-to-day flow, but when something happens in that area, you want to be able to jump in and, and catch back up. Well, what do you do? Do you exist in that chat or do you not? I've gone so far as to have a second Telegram account just so that I can exist in a bunch of these chats so that when somebody references something, I can go back and see what they're talking about. 
I don't have to do that with Matrix anymore. Now I just click low priority. I'll exist in that chat. If I ever want to go back and read that backlog, I have that opportunity, but I'm not going to get alerted. Nobody can tag me. Nobody can mention me. I just sit. And that is fantastic. Um, obviously, you have a twisty for your direct messages. That's going to be the, a, a collection of anybody, a one-on-one chat uh, with one additional participant. You have the rooms twisty, which has the chats of more than one person that you're in, kind of what you would think of with Telegram groups or, or Slack channels. Um, then you have the favorites. And, you know, I like the fact that I could pin chats in Telegram. It was frustrating that you can only do like five of them. Um, no such limitation in Matrix or the Riot Client. I can pin as many chats as I want into the favorites. And I have the opportunity to have them be direct messages or rooms. Doesn't matter. Everything in Riot acts like a chat. By the way, you can change any of these notification settings simply by right-clicking on the chat. So you instantly change what you want to hear about, what you don't want to hear about from any device at any time with basically no penalty. So I can be sitting here and have the chat room up in Noah's booth and I've unmuted or I've I've uh, I've enabled just mention only so people can come in there and mention me and it'll send me alert and I can look over at the screen. And tomorrow when I return to work, I'll just right click on it and go down to mute and go about my day. And when I have some time, I'll, I'll, I'll go back. And there's, there's no penalty for doing that. The end result is I can be on a platform 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If there's something super important, I can guarantee that I won't miss it. And I literally don't know, uh, what other changes to notifications or what other more granularity you could introduce because I, I haven't found something I can't stop. Also of note, at the very top of the client, there's a dynamic most frequently used chat and it's an icon only and this was super helpful. Case in point, we set up a matrix server. We didn't do it correctly. It had some problems. I went into the matrix community and they're kind enough to have uh, an entire room of, of synapse admins and, and people that are available for hire, poked one of them and said, Hey, I would like to hire you. I want you to set this thing up correctly. He said, no problem. And so now I have a, now I have a dilemma, right? Because now I have some random person who I've never talked to before. We don't share anything else in common. It's just two guys talking on matrix. And I need to know instantaneously when he's doing work because it's actively affecting the platform that I'm running communications on, right? I didn't have to pin him. I didn't have to favor him. I didn't have to do anything because I opened a chat with him. He now becomes one of the most recent chats. And so his little icon was up there. So for the four or five hours that him and I were talking, it was easy to find. If he sent me something, I would just see it up on that little recent notifications. Then after him and I concluded our business, he went down and um, he, him and I stopped talking. I went and engaged in other conversations and what ends up happening is uh, that icon falls back off because now uh, he's him and I are no longer communicating. And by the way, if you don't like that, you can turn that off because that's an option, too. This is I mean, this is what we've all been waiting for. I mean, this is what we've been waiting for. And this is that's just the notifications. OK, so some people want to just show up on a site and use a thing. They have a hosted version. Some people want a self-host. You have a self-hosted version. You want to own your own client, as Matthew pointed out, you can take any one of the hundred and some clients that he said there were available and you can just connect to any of the Synapse servers that are there. And it doesn't matter which one you're on because the Federation is enabled. You can talk to anybody else in the Matrix world and you want a mobile client. Well, they have choices for that. They have the standard one or they have the fancy bleeding edge one and both of their advantages and disadvantages of both of them. So I had both of them on my phone and I'm using them for different things. You just want to use the web client. They have a client for that, too. They, the way that you log in even is revolutionary because there's a problem. 
you have to keep the keys uh, available to sync around all the clients. Otherwise, you, you're you're in this cockamamie game where I have my phone and that has a certain set of keys on it. And now I have to export those keys and move them over to the laptop and I have to move them from the, the laptop over to here. You noticed Matthew mentioned Signal's double ratchet, and this is what Signal solved, is the ability to to take encryption, actually secure crypto, and propagate it across devices without compromising the security of the keys. And the way that they're doing that is you they're actually securing the keys themselves with a passphrase as a backup, and as a shorthand method, you can authorize on other devices. So day-to-day, I want to add a new device. I just sign in with my username and password. It prompts up on an existing session that Matrix knows is me, and I say, yep, that's a new device. It generates some pictures and says, make sure that these encryption keys are, are the same and that there's no nobody's trying to man in the middle of you. Yep, that sounds good. Now I'm logged in. Easy, right? But, and this actually happened. I was sitting in a cab, or I was, I was driving with a friend. Our car broke down. Uh, my friend goes to get help. I walk to the nearest hotel. I want to get a hold of my wife and let her know what happened and why I'm not coming home. I might pull out my phone from my pocket. The screen is smashed. Can't use it. Now what? I go across the street to the hotel. I find a guest computer. Try and log into Gmail. Up, oh, you're signing in from a different location. Can't sign in. Okay. Try and log into Telegram. Nope, can't do that either because I have to authenticate on an existing session. Well, guess what? Matrix has thought of this. They have a recovery phrase. You memorize a passphrase, which is a perfectly secure way to secure an account. And again, on a day-to-day basis, all I'm doing is clicking, yep, authenticate. But in an emergency, if I absolutely have to, I have the ability to get access to my matrix communication with nothing other than the things that are in my head. That is so powerful. That is so amazing. And the fact that this is, I saw a post on Reddit when we were looking for communication platforms for self, and the post said something to the effect of, It doesn't matter what communication platform you are trying. If it's not compatible with the Matrix infrastructure, it's probably not worth doing. And after spending a weekend in Matrix, I'm starting to understand why that is. Because the people that are in IRC like IRC specifically because nobody can pull the rug out from under their feet. It doesn't matter if somebody shuts an IRC server down. The protocol is there and you can go to something else. XMPP was a great idea, but in practicality, what ended up happening was it because there was because there was so little communication between the mobile device and and the server, it would just drain your battery because you really have to have an aggressive reconnect anytime anytime that that, that client drops off. And the way that Riot and 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 Matrix pair to each other, or the way that Synapse and 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 Riot pair to each other. Um, it feels just like you're using you know, Telegram or Signal or any other communications platform. The difference is the server can be running at your house, and the uh, you know. And I was around for the diaspora days. I was around when we tried to do federated things, and this was going to be something that was going to take over social media. And I saw how not well it worked. Riot. We installed the Synapse server. We changed one line in the config file to tell it to federate, and all of a sudden we have access to all of the federation all around the world. It was absolutely fantastic. So a huge thank you to Matthew and his team uh, for, for, for doing that. I mean, it's just absolutely fantastic. And if you'd like to join us again, we'll have a link. I'll have a link for you in the show notes. Um, it is uh, riot.linuxdelta.com. And that's a self-hosted web version. Now, if you have a Matrix client, you're absolutely uh you're absolutely welcome to, to, to join us that way. Um, you can just connect to matrix.linuxdelta.com, which is the Synapse server. Question from the Matrix room. Hey, guys, welcome in. Computer kid? 
um, so my question is, I have a single board computer at home. It is the original Pine 64 board. And I run a couple things on there. I run a IRC bouncer-ish thing. And I run a home assistant server. And I was wondering how easy and and or resource intensive having my own matrix synapsis server would be. Like I, how manually difficult and then how how much resources is it going to eat? Yeah, I have found that um, that the so I'll, I'll tell you this. We set it up and after setting it up and uh, this is on us because we didn't read the documentation after setting it up. We found out that there are some specific ways there are some specific best practices that you should follow when setting up uh, a synapse server. So I would recommend that you, you read their documentation because it's actually very well laid out. Um, as far as resources, I have found synapse to to eat quite a bit of RAM. Um, and obviously, you know, and, and obviously the CPU is going to be taxed, too, because every time somebody is starting a new chat, remember, it has to generate an, a set of encryption keys for these users to and, and you know, to uh, to have a unique set so that they're talking. So, I mean, you wouldn't want to run it on nothing, but I believe that I think it's the Rock 64 people are running a Synapse server on on their Rock hardware. So. OK, so. I guess I'll just try and see how it goes. Yeah, yeah. Do me a favor. Let me know. I, I would love to hear that. Again, one eight fifty five four fifty Noah. That is the phone number to join us. Eight fifty five four fifty six six two four. The email live at asknoahshow dot com. Couple of news stories to get to. Ubuntu appliance portfolio. Um, this is Canonical's new take at uh, trying to trying to restructure the way that Ubuntu is sent out. And uh, essentially what they're doing is they're focusing on NextCloud, MosquitoPlex, OpenHab, and AdGuard. And the idea is that they have pre-bundled containerized apps that can run inside of a virtualized appliance without affecting your existing system. So one command on the Ubuntu appliance in a VM on Windows, on Mac, on Linux, if you don't have, uh, if you don't have a Raspberry Pi or a spare PC, and all you have to do is follow the steps and you'll have the ability to run any of those four or five apps. Then you can upgrade your appliance with some extra apps and use their autopilot, their latest game. Each appliance starts with the essential stuff, and then you customize an add-on as you like. Uh, you know, I I think this stuff is going to be great for new users to be able to get started into the infrastructure, but I question how good it's going to be for the for the um, for, for for us that live on the Linux desktop specifically because. As these containers and as these applications become easier to use, there is less and less incentive to run the operating system on the desktop itself. And it, I mean, in this case, I, I, if I already have a Windows computer, why switch? I don't need it to take advantage of all the cool things Linux does. I can just run them inside of containers. So it concerns me a little bit, but I think it's a really good step. And I, I'm happy to see that Canonical's moving forward with that. They're also moving forward with the Ubuntu certified devices. And this is a very fantastic write-up that, that Canonical has done. Um, why do we need an OEM image? And the they are releasing a specific OEM ISO, an OEM image, that their hardware partners are going to use for specific uh, installed instances that add specific software. And the example that they give is with Dell devices, for example, they come with a specific disk partitioning scheme and the Dell recovery tool, which allows the user to reinstall the operating system without having to have any understanding of how to DD and ISO to a flash drive, so on and so forth, right? They have also defined a process in which their field engineers 
The process uh, starts with their field engineers, goes to the hardware enablement engineering, then to mainstream engineering, finally to quality assurance and certification. The field engineers are constantly in touch with the component vendors and the manufacturers, and they track issues related to the hardware drivers and the firmware, and and um, they help identify and investigate any of the problems uh, very early on that could cause pro- that could cause issues and try to resolve them. And once that gets the go ahead, then it goes uh, then it goes up to the hardware enablement. Engineering and the hardware enablement engineering are engineers that are in charge of building and maintaining the OEM kernel. And this is a separate kernel um, from the mainstream kernel that contains drivers for new hardware and new features and bug fixes that aren't necessarily available in the generic kernel. And the reason that they have done this and they, they, they actually do a really good job of justifying why it is they're going down this track. But essentially, the de- they believe that the, that the, desktop, the evolution of desktop hardware is too, is is moving faster than the LTS can keep up with. So they now they're at a fork in the road. Do we abandon our LTS and go with some sort of rolling release? Of course, in doing so, we might hose our server market, which is the where the vast majority of the uh, undoubtedly the vast majority of the income comes from canonicals, people running this on servers and certainly makes up for a large portion of the number of deployments they have. They have found a creative solution. They're splitting it in the middle. What they're going to do is ship a separate kernel so that everybody can benefit or so, so that the, it is specific to the hardware that they're testing after that they have after it's gone through their process and they know this is how we fix this stuff and this is how we get these hardware things to work then they go and send that code back up mainstream so that everybody can take advantage of it and that allows them to do a couple of things first of all it allows them to get things uh moving uh, quicker because they don't it's quicker turnaround time if they find a bug they can just fix the bug they put it in their own little staging kernel thing uh you could almost call it like a, a kernel specifically for desktop use and that allows quicker turnaround time the second thing is it allows integration of major features without impacting other kernels and so they have the ability to kind of direct their own ship they have the ability to improve upgradability and they have the ability to improve the out-of-box experience because if they test something and they know it doesn't work and Dell says, well, this is when the XPS is shipping, so here's the date you have to have it done by Canonical, what is their choice? They can submit the code changes to the kernel, and but there is a process that must be followed before those are going to get committed. And so I, this is a really brilliant solution on Canonical's part to try to split the difference and provide people with the most bleeding uh, up-to-edge updates and fixes without sacrificing um, the ability to contribute to the community. You'll get it in the community. You're just going to get it a little bit later. And uh, if I could applaud uh, Canonical for anything in specific, it would be their 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 willingness and the time they took to write out this post step-by-step step exactly why they did what they did and how. The only criticism I would have is this. I, I really struggle with all of these companies that believe that people are buying a Linux computer and they're leaving the factory image on there. I mean, I run an IT company with seven employees and that's not a large IT company and all of our laptops are encrypted just because of the nature of our work. So I can't even imagine Red Hat, eBay, Amazon, if they're going to buy these computers and they're going to put them into production, the idea that they would leave the default operating system that, that shipped with Dell on there seems silly to me. And when I speak to developers at conferences, I see a lot of people using the Dell XPS. It's a beautiful laptop. Don't get me wrong. Haven't seen a single one of them using the, the factory installed image. Most developers have a specific workflow. They have, they oftentimes have a specific distribution that they want to use and they have a specific tool set. They want to set that, that, that puppy up from, from, from scratch. 
And so I, 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 I question the wisdom in putting a ton of effort into these system reinstallation things. I think it's kind of a pipe dream that there's going to be people out there that are going to buy this, uh, this $1,500 developer specific computer and, and browse the internet and check the email on it. And when it comes to reinstalling the operating system, throw their hands up and say, ah, if it wasn't for that pressing F12, when I rebooted, I would just have no way to do that. So, but in either, in, in any case, it's uh it's, it's a great option for, for people. And it is definitely forward progress on Linux on the desktop. For that, we can be thankful for. Hey, I want to thank a couple people. Sarah, our call screener. Ben, our producer. JT Pennington, executive producer of the Ask Noah Show. We appreciate all those guys and the work that they do to make this show happen. You can join us in our interactive Riot chat. You can go to riot.linuxdelta.com. We'd love to see you there. We'll be back next Tuesday at 6 p.m. Central. For more shows, you want to catch the replay or the show notes, head over to podcast.asknoahshow.com. We'll see you next week. <laughs>